Hello and welcome to episode 51 of Owen and Saints, your podcast dedicated to all things Southampton Football Club. I'm your host, Patrick Serlis, and I'm joined by fellow Saints fans, regular panellist Jack, and making his debut, another Serlis brother, completing the set, it's Tom Serlis. Tom, how are you doing? Very well, thank you, Pat. Thank you for having me. No, great to get you on, Jack. How are you? Not bad, not bad. How are you? Yeah, very, very well. Thank you. Um, all the better for that result. Um, delighted to say that we are chatting after a win this week. Yes, it has been a while since our last win. That was the fourth round FA Cup tie over Arsenal on January the 23rd. This evening, Thursday evening, Saints booked their place in the last eight of the FA Cup with a 2-0 win against Wolves at Molyneux. Both goals coming in the second half, courtesy of Danny Ings and the superb Stuart Armstrong. That sets up a lovely quarterfinal tie against our neighbours to the west, Bournemouth. We'll get to that later on in the show and do a little preview ahead of that game. Fantastic tie, um, I think it's fair to say, and, and fingers crossed we can push forward. But let's talk about the game. As mentioned, we haven't had many wins. We haven't had much to cheer in recent weeks. So fantastic to get back up and running with a clean sheet and and progressing into the next round. The main talking point before the game was the confirmation that Mohamed Salasu does in fact exist, making his debut in a back four alongside Jan Bednarak, Yannick Vestergaard dropping to the bench, uh, Kyle Walker-Peters making his return from a quad injury and Ryan Bertrand completing the back four. Jack, I'll come to you first. What were your initial thoughts when you saw that team sheet? Shock, horror at seeing, at seeing our summer signing, Mohamed Salasu, actually in the flesh, at the thought of seeing him in the flesh. But I was, I was excited to see him play because we've, we've had a very difficult few weeks and months where we've been shipping goals consistently. I think we needed, you know, a fresh face in there and to have, to bring in Mohamed Salasu tonight, it felt like, well, it is a new signing, but it just felt like a, a really key moment for Southampton because the team has, has struggled with a lot of injuries and to be able to bring him in, it was a tough one to bring him in, an FA Cup game. I think Ralph would probably have preferred to, you know, have eased him in against a lower league team. Maybe Shrewsbury would have been the one that they would have targeted, but to put him in against Wolves was quite tough. But I thought I'm, we'll, we'll go into his performance, but first thing... I'd say, as he looked top, top draw. I think we've got a great player on our hands and it's it's surprising, well, it's shocking that he's 21 years old because he looked very, very comfortable. What did you make of his performance, Tom? Yeah, no, I thought he was very good. Uh, yeah, some mistakes, but he hasn't played for ages, like you just said. And uh, yeah, it was great to see him playing. Great to see Southampton starting a, like, a strong team, yeah. especially compared to Wolves and taking it seriously. And yeah, to see Salisu was definitely the highlight. For sure. I mean... That was the plan, Jack, I think, to start him against Shrewsbury. Um, we signed him on August 5th. We did an interview shortly after that with Marty, who was um, a Real Valladolid shout out, fan. Yeah, shout out to Marty. Real Valladolid fan who gave us the big build-up for, for Salasu. Um, and that was back in August. Six months later, we finally see him. <laughs> and and I think it was say, fair to say that it was worth the wait, really. I mean, I will say that Wolves don't score many goals. They are one of the most negative teams in the Premier League or in the top flight. They're so, so dull to watch. They're such a negative team in a sense that they just set up not to concede and then look to sneak a goal on the break. And and Fabio Silva, £40 million teenage striker, um, I'm sure he's a talented talented player, but it's a pretty nice debut, I think, all things considered for Salasu to come up against. Now, there was... Uh, you flagged it, Jack, on Twitter. There was some... 
comments from Steve McManaman, who was the pundit on BT Sport, that was kind of picking some holes in his game. thought that was a little bit unfair. Definitely. And um, yeah, we got a tweet actually from a lad called Ben Thompson, giving him a little shout out, because I thought he summed it up perfectly, saying a player making his debut, he's had half a year out injured. This is his first game in England. He's 21 years old. And you've got the commentator, Steven Manaman, picking his game apart like he's Virgil van Dijk. He's been playing here for seasons. I thought they were very much focused on the very few mistakes that he was making and weren't really highlighting the strengths of his game. And I thought he looked so comfortable on the ball. It's great to have a, a centre-back that's comfortable with their left foot. I think that's a, there's not many left-footed centre-backs in the league and that does add another facet to our game because we look at that, sw- that cross-field ball to Carl Walker-Peters a lot and I think that's going to be a great asset for us. But like I said, really comfortable on the ball. He's obviously got good pace, which you come up against some very quick strikes in the Premier League and we'll need that because Yannick Vestergaard has come on leaps and bounds this season. He's been brilliant, but you know his one weakness is pace and he does get very much exposed against quick strikers. So I think the option of having Mohamed Salisu coming in there, I think he's a he's going to be a great asset to have when we come up against the the quicker strikes in the league. But no, I thought he was he was top draw. Like you said, Wolves didn't have the most potent attack. They were you know Adama Traore wasn't playing, Pedro Neto wasn't playing, but they were still playing, like you said, top, top um, you know, Premier League footballers. And I thought he dealt with everything that came his way. So our first clean sheet since the Arsenal uh, fourth, fourth round FA Cup tie. Jan Bednarak was the one that kept his place um, with Vestergaard dropping out. was a bit of a tough week for, for Jan. Um, the red card that got overturned at Old Trafford and then obviously the own goal at Newcastle. Tom, do you think that he looked a little bit more settled with, with Kyle Walker-Peters alongside him there at right back? Yeah, definitely. I mean, yeah, um, listening to this podcast before, Walker-Peters definitely makes a massive massive difference to the team both going forward and in defence and yeah like you could tell in this game today like you just said Wolves aren't great going forward but um, he just makes such a massive difference in the team having Walker Peters and yeah probably did settle the Ann Benderak down a bit um, and yeah alongside Salisu as well they did look pretty solid as a back four really I think Walker Peters think- is one of our he, he is one of our most important players like yeah. we've, when, when, we, when we miss him we miss him desperately and one thing that I would say is that his link up with Stuart Armstrong makes Stuart Armstrong a lot better because he can occupy... Kyle Walker-Peters makes those bombing runs down the right-hand side, which occupies the fullback, which allows Stuart Armstrong to come inside and get more space. So he's important defensively and offensively. It's nice to have options at the back. Um, It seems like we're starting to get players back from suspension and back from injury. I'll go to you first, Jack, but I'll ask the same question to Tom. Who who do you think is our first choice centre-back pairing? All things, Everyone fit now. I think it's too early to deviate from Jan Benarak and Yannick Vestergaard. I think you have to keep that partnership, you know, for the for the next few games at least. I don't think you can, you know, it's a really promising start from Hamid Salisu and I'm sure we're going to see a lot more of him in the in the remainder of the season. But I think you keep Jan Benarak and and Vestergaard for the next few games, see how that goes, and if we need to change it, we might do. I mean, we shipped 12 goals in the last two games, so we might change it, but. Ease Salasu into it. I don't think we need to rush him in. He's just played 90 minutes there. Maybe, you know, bring him on in a game that we might be a bit more comfortable in. Um, yeah, that's what I think. Tom, do you agree with that? Or would you would you like to see Salasu against Wolves on Sunday? Yeah, no, I, th- I think I agree with that. Um, like, Southampton's first 11, when they've 
everybody's fit, like they start the season, is very, very good, can compete with kind of anybody, every, anybody in the league. Um, only when they've had a couple of injuries, suspensions, etc., it's all fallen away a bit. Um, but when you're getting players back, I think you have to go back to what was working very well at the start of the season. Um, but having said that, yeah, Salasu obviously looks very good. Obviously, he's signed kind of with a view to be coming into the team at some point. But I think, yeah, you can't change from what was working very well at the start of the season. I wouldn't be against him starting, by the way, on Sunday. I wouldn't be against I would probably quite like it, but I think it's maybe rushing a player that's just played 90 minutes a bit too bit too quickly into the first team fold. I think they will be cautious with him because obviously he's, we signed him and he had that injury and then he was supposed to play against Shrewsbury and picked up that other injury and that's just delayed things. Um, and I think they were just being cautious today potentially with Vestergaard because he played against Newcastle after just one day's training. Um, so I think that might have been the deciding factor over why they went with Bednarak and Salasu rather than Vestergaard and Salasu. I have to say, I think if, if Salasu lives up to to these performances and gets better as we'd expect him to do as a young player, I think we may be looking at a Vestergaard-Salasu partnership um, into the future. But that's that's something I, I don't think we're going to see necessarily this season. Um, other things we wanted to mention from the game. Defensively, we'll stick on the defensive theme because it was a clean sheet. It was a very strong team from Ralph and I think a lot of Wolves fans have been pretty vocal in in expressing their disappointment in Nuno um, in terms of the team that he put out. Wolves are in a pretty similar position to us in the Premier League in the sense that they haven't got too much to play for, really. Um, and this was an opportunity to reach the quarterfinal of the FA Cup. Now, Nuno put out a pretty weakened team. I think you said Jack, six changes, Jack, is that right? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Whereas Ralph, I think, went for it. Um, this is he, he said that, his quotes have said that he's looking to target this competition as one that we can go far in, now one game away from Wembley semi-final. And I think it was pretty much our strongest team. Adams dropped to the bench and Redmond played up front. And we'll come on to Nathan Redmond. But the one I wanted to speak about now was Fraser Forster. Because Alex McCarthy has been our number one this season. He has conceded 12 goals in his last two games. Fraser Forster has come in. He is our cup goalkeeper and he has kept another clean sheet. Tom, there's a decision for Ralph to make, I think, on, on Sunday against Wolves. Does he stick with Fraser Forster or does he go back to Alex McCarthy? I think, again, he goes back to McCarthy. I think, yeah, he's, you know, Southampton yeah, shipped gold, goals recently, but... At the start of the season, everything was solid when he was playing with the with the back four that he wants. He wasn't a bad keeper. He wasn't making howlers of mistakes. And mm-hmm. I think it would be a bit of a conf- like blow to the confidence to drop to to drop him out. It seems quite clear. Yeah, Force is the FA Cup keeper. And hopefully he continues and can play in the uh in the next round, etc. But yeah, I think McCarthy's not he's not an incredible, incredible keeper, but I think you know he's not he's not bad and I would I would carry on with him to be honest. I think the Tom's hit the nail on the head there with confidence. I think if you drop Alex McCarthy now, you're doing a you know your massive hammer blow to his confidence, which is quite unnecessary because the the reason why we lost nine 0 at Old Trafford was not down to Alex McCarthy, mm-hmm. and you know the reason yeah. we lost three two at Newcastle was not down to Alex McCarthy. So whilst they are awful score lines, and you do look naturally straight at your goalkeeper, the problems ran deeper than that. So I think it would be a, a bit of a you know, a wrong decision to change. Although what I would say, four clean sheets for Fraser Forster in his four games that he stepped in this season. That's Liverpool, Shrewsbury, Arsenal and tonight. 
can't do much more. One big save against Njama Traore as well, which got in yeah. the right position. Exactly. You've got to be in a position to make those saves. Um, again, he didn't have much to do against Liverpool, but it's, an, it's a clean sheet. So he's definitely... What Ralph would have wanted Forster to do was to give him a decision to make, I think. Yeah. Um, because these are the thing, These are the decisions we want to have to make. I mean, a couple of weeks ago, even last week, we were looking at the team sheet and we're being forced to put people in left, right and centre that really shouldn't be near the first team um, just because of the state of the squad. And now, hopefully, um, we're in a position where we can start picking between informed players in different positions, which is a much, much better position to be in. Um, let's talk about the goals. Oh, did you want to mention something on Forster, Jack? Just, yeah, just one more thing, actually, just yep. on what you, what you said about um, Wolves rotating and us not rotating. I feel like, I don't know about you guys, but over the years as a Southampton fan, I feel like we've been on the other end of that, where we've played teams in the FA Cup and we've rotated massively and got beaten. And then there's been, our fan base has been asking the question, why are we not prioritising the cup when we're quite steady in the league and we haven't got anything to go for? Why are we not going for a cup run? So I think it's so refreshing that Ralph has got this outlook that we're in a position in the league where we can take some risks. He said in the in the post-match interview that, he played a very strong team against Arsenal in the cup and that was probably to the detriment of the games that followed. It's probably true, but I think it's it's good to see that we're prioritising a competition that there is a real chance to to get silverware. Definitely. It'll be interesting to see the, the team that he puts out and the impact it has on Sunday, just because it is such a quick turnaround with a midday kickoff on Sunday at home to Wolves. Um, let's talk about the goals though. The first one, Danny Ings, mini goal drought for him little bit of luck about the way that it deflected back off John Ruddy. And finally, a VAR decision going in our favour. Something to Lord. celebrate for sure. <laughs> um, Tom, I'll come to you first. Good to see Danny Ings back on the score sheet. Yeah, definitely. Uh, like you said, he just had a bit of a mini goal drop, but that one like double deflection back off the keeper and going in is a bit of luck that he needed, definitely. But he still looked... He looked very good in this game. I think he was tracking back like quite a lot, made some like that, which was very notable. And in the first half, I think he almost scored a bit of a wonder goal where he like took it down out of the air, like near his head and did like a karate Licked kick. it over the defender, didn't he? Yeah. So he, I thought he looked very sharp. And yeah, it's good that he just got that goal because now hopefully he'll just carry on. He's, he's got a little bit of a habit of doing that because I, it was something similar. It wasn't exactly the same, but it was um, against Villa. That little bit of skill in the box that, yeah, created what should have been a penalty for Matty Cash handball. That came from a little bit of skill from Danny Ings in the box, and and that little bit of skill again today, um, in the box was fantastic. He's just he has that quick presence of mind that the defenders just kind of leaves a defender for dead, doesn't it? And it was good recovery from um, Saiz, I think. Saiz, um, yeah. But I mean, it's like you said, Tom. It's fantastic to see him back on the score sheet. But equally as important, I think, is the fact that he's looking closer to peak Danny Ings. Yeah, yeah I think, but he, like Tom said, it was a little goal drought and it was just going to be one of those scruffy finishes that, that comes to flex back off him that gets him on the score sheet and he really did need that. I think with VAR at the moment, you don't know when to celebrate a goal, do you? I thought that was definitely offside when it first went in and Danny Ings looked over to the line who had his flag up and you know you can't celebrate that anymore, but fantastic to see that we were on the right end of it, wasn't it? Yeah, mentioned a few podcasts ago that when eventually they're not all going to go against you. So eventually you are going to be on the right end of the VAR decision. Um, exactly. And that one that one set us up for for a place in the for a place in the quarterfinals, which is fantastic. Obviously the game was wrapped up by Stuart Armstrong, who I think fully deserved his goal and by all accounts 
a man of the match performance. Um, fantastic from start to finish. I think you make a great point about Walker Peters being back and allowing him to do more damage in that kind of number 10 inside right position. Uh, well taken finish as well, wasn't it, Jack? It was. He had one in the, in the second half where he had to bury it. The ball came to him sitter. just about sitter, 10 yards out. And I was thinking to myself, if you could pick two or three players, your top three players that you'd want that chance to go to, it'd be him, Danny Ings, I don't know, maybe a James Paul Prowse you want that fall into. So it fell to the right person, but he got it all wrong, opened his body up too much. But yeah, here's the goal that he got. It was brilliant work from Nathan Teller closing down John Ruddy. Awful mistake, but bit of composure from Teller I thought looked really really bright and again it's going to be another really good addition because Gineppo and Redmond aren't really firing in all the cinders at the moment they're not getting the the goals they're not getting the assists and they're not contributing enough in the final third so Nathan Teller coming in um, had the presence of mind to look up pick out Stuart Armstrong and he put it into the only position in that net that could have got the goal and it was great just to to seal it I knew that I knew that a second goal was coming I was just fearful that it was going to be that awful equaliser that was going to send us into half an hour of of hell but thankfully we just wrapped it up and it made the last minute or so pretty chilled Let's talk about Nathan Redmond then um, because he took pelters after the Newcastle game uh, deservedly from you deservedly (laughs) so because he was absolutely shite Um, Got the nod today. Adams dropping to the bench and Ralph going with Ings up top and then Redmond alongside him. Tom, what did you make of, of Redmond's performance overall and his ability to kind of play in that striker position? Uh, yeah, I'm not Nathan Redmond's biggest fan either. <laughs> but uh, He hasn't got many fans, I don't think. Yeah, so I thought, I thought today his performance wasn't like, his general performance I don't think was like terrible. Definitely I've seen him play a lot worse. Um, <laughs> but... I think in like the significant moments of the game, yeah, the chance in the first half, I think he's got to do much better, maybe not score, but definitely there's one at like 65 minutes. That's when you get the second goal and you pretty much kill it. And he does everything right, to be fair. It's a great run. He chops back inside, but a bit more composure on the finish and he, and he doesn't. And yeah, so I think his general play, not, not, not horrendous, but just like the significant contributions that you want him to make when he's playing in that position. He's just missed it again. And yeah, so it's another kind of performance that goes by. You don't get, you don't get any goal or assist. Or I think for me, Redmond, like I've, and it's, it has been the case for such a long time that he has got ability. He's just massively inconsistent. And I think potentially what I'd like to see his role being in this team, if he does have a role, is coming off the bench if we do need something in the last 10 minutes um, because he does have the ability in the final third. You just don't see it very often. So to rely on him from the start, I think is asking for trouble. We saw him come on, I think it was against Sheffield United when he scored a really nice goal um, to kind of wrap up that game. And we know he can do that. I remember a goal that he scored in Project Restart against uh, Norwich away. Fantastic ability, squared up the defender and put it in bottom corner. Um, but there's just kind of, game after game after game that will go by where he really doesn't contribute that much. I think it is interesting that Ralph is thinking about playing him higher up the pitch. We do have a lot of options in the number 10 position. And if we are looking to get him onto the pitch, if he can play in that position, that gives us a bit more versatility. It sounds like Walcott's out for a while. Obviously, Minamino was cup-tied today and I'd expect to see him back in the team on Sunday. But Jack, is there anything on Redmond that you wanted to mention or anything in general about the number 10 position and and who you expect to see at the weekend? 
Let's not forget that Claude Puel labelled Nathan Redmond the new Thierry Henry in 2017. So, <laughs> <laughs> easy to forget that. Um, well, I mean, in that number 10 position, I was just thinking to myself there, with everyone fit, I think the general consensus among Saints fans is it's Minamino and Armstrong that have to be that that starting two, isn't it? I don't think Gineppo's done enough mm-hmm. in the games that he's played to be a starter. I thought he looked bright today. And a few of the the bits that I was impressed with Gineppo is that he was taking risks with some of his passing. I think the issue with Nathan Redmond is that he sometimes he's too safe and he'll stand yeah. up a defender and he'll look to play Ryan Bertram back or he'll look to play it back to James Will Prowse and you're just begging for him just to try and beat the fullback. With Gineppo, can be frustrating, but sometimes he'll look for that ball into Danny Ings' feet and he'll look for that ball across to Stuart Armstrong. And it's a bit of a risky pass, but they're the, they're the moments that are going to get goals. Um, so do you, no, think, do you think it's just a case then that Ralph was looking to rest Adams or do you think that he, obviously Adams has gone a few games without a goal. Um, do you think Ralph genuinely sees Redmond as competition for Adams up front and maybe brings a bit more out of Ings than, than Adams has been doing? Or do you just think that, okay, Adams needs a rest because he's been going at it 90 minutes after 90 minutes and it's an FA Cup game and we can bring Redmond in and bring Adams back at the weekend? More of the latter, but I'd say there is a, there is an element that he's thinking the goals aren't coming. I do need to change it up because that's a fact. Shea Adams isn't scoring enough this season. However, I don't think he Ralph's thinking that Redmond is going to start over him consistently. In that first half, Redmond was playing okay, but Shea Adams frees up the, def- the defenders for Danny Ings a lot more, I think, and he occupies the defenders more than Nathan Redmond does. So I think Shea will start on Sunday and you're just hoping that the goals will come because it seems like he's doing everything right in his performances. And I know we keep saying that, but he's getting, you know, he's making the passes, he's making the runs. He's just lacking that little bit of clinical finishing at the end, which is disappointing. It is. It is. Um, and I think you're probably right, to be honest. If I, if I had to guess who's going to start front on, on Sunday, I'd probably go with, with Adams and Ings. Um, so through to the quarterfinals, as mentioned, one game away from Wembley. Bournemouth up next, about as good, I don't want to jinx it, but about as good a draw as we could have hoped for, isn't it? It is. It is. What, do you, what did you make of it, Tom? I thought it was, I was praying anyone but Man City. Yeah, exactly. You don't want to get Man City. And uh, so who else was in there that was a bit, well, Sheffield United were in there as well to get. But I think, yeah, Bournemouth is pretty much, couldn't have asked for a better tie, hopefully, yeah. without, without, without jinxing it. So it's Everton City, Leicester United, Bournemouth, Southampton, and then Sheffield United, Chelsea, Chelsea. Chelsea. So really, I think we've got we've got the best draw there. Yeah, I think so. It's a it's a huge game as well. I mean, I've got fond memories of going to of going to Bournemouth. That the game last season at the back end of last season when I think it was one nil. They got a goal disallowed right at the end. Absolute chaos, wasn't it? And then we went down the other end <laughs> and scored in the 140th minute with Shea Adams getting his getting his goal. Yeah. So hopefully we can do that again and see Eddie Howe. Well, it won't be Eddie Howe, but could be Harry Redknapp. Who knows? He might be in the dugout by then. They've gone through another manager since Eddie Howe. Jason Tindall got the sack, didn't he? I'm not sure. I'm not 100%, I'm not 100% up to speed with Bournemouth news, but I, I know they've been looking for a new manager. Um, just looking at the table now, they're sixth in the championship. Um had lost four of their last five games, which I think is why Tyndall got the boot. Um, but yeah, as you, as you say, it'll be a good game. It's a great opportunity for us to reach the next round. Um, at Wembley. And at Wembley. And I think uh, we've seen Ralph is taking this competition 
very, very seriously. So I'd expect to see our strongest lineup out. Um, before we go, did want to mention the game on Sunday. It's pretty unusual that you play teams back-to-back, but it's happened to us twice now, playing Arsenal back-to-back and now playing Wolves this weekend. Um, it's just really, really good to be like, I, have, I don't think we've kind of like taken stock enough of like just how bad the last week was and to now be in talking after, after a win is really, really positive. And it makes me look forward a lot more to the game on Sunday. Um, and hopefully uh, we can get back on track in the Premier League as well. Is there anything you're looking out for, Tom, on Sunday or, or, um, or anything kind of predictions that you'd like to see uh, for the game? No, I don't know, to be honest. It's, yeah, it is strange. Like you say, we played Arsenal, beat them and then lost in the, in the league. And so, so hopefully, obviously, it's a bit better than, than that because that performance against Arsenal in the league after we played them in the Cup wasn't very good. Obviously, they played a much different team in both of the two games. And yeah, Wolves probably will as well, obviously, start most of the players that are on, on the bench today. Um, but from Southampton's point of view, yeah, you'd like to see pretty much the same team that was out there, really, with a couple of changes. And yeah, to beat them again, I think. Because Wolves, yeah, I think they've ever since they've lost him, they've been... Just a poor team, really. Not a very good team at all. So that's that's it, isn't it, for Wolves? They've looked well off it ever since they lost Jimenez to that awful head injury. Um, playing Fabio Silva up front does have the look of a 17th century prince, Renaissance <laughs> prince about him. Um, that might come back to haunt us at the weekend. And if, <laughs> and if it does, apologies. Um, but but yeah, they've, they've really been off it since then. So I think it's a great opportunity after that, um, I think we've got Leeds and Chelsea um, in pretty quick succession. So we have got some tough games coming up and we have been on this awful run. Um, I did just want to give you guys the opportunity to, um, I forgot to mention Ryan Bertrand, because I did want to shout him out because he did, he had a good solid game. He obviously created that opportunity for Armstrong, created the goal for Ings with his pass and did a job on Adama Traore when he came on in the second half, when obviously Nuno's looking to go for it a little bit. Um, Ryan Bertrand, out of contract at the end of the season. I'd like to see a few more performances like that between now now and then, and hopefully get him signed up for at least another year or two. Yeah, that was that was peak Ryan Bertrand. I gave Stuart Armstrong man of the match on, on our Twitter, but I think Ryan Bertrand was a close second. Like you said, creating chances going forward. And when when they threw on Adama Traore, that was really you know, a, a big moment because he causes problems for every single defence in the division. And you just saw Ryan Bertrand really step up to that challenge and he looked really, really up for it. And I think Gineppo does deserve a bit of credit as well because he was really helping out Bertrand on that left-hand side and a bit of a mismatch, Musa Gineppo against Adama Traore, but he was getting stuck in. Um, but yeah, great performance from Bertrand. Like you said, I think he definitely does that, deserve that little extension and hopefully time down to that deal and bring in another left back that we can we can give experience to too. Absolutely. Well, before we go, I would just like to say um, we have a newsletter, two issues so far. We will be tweeting this podcast out on Friday morning and we'll also be including a link where you can subscribe to our newsletter. It's called Games Gone. Um, the reason why it's called Games Gone is because like whenever we watch football now, basically just send Games Gone because of VAR and because of Manchester United's noodle partners and because of Che Adams getting dodgy offside goals ruled out, ruled out. Um, so just generally uh, it's going to be generally the game's gone and it will be mainly Saints content but there will also be some other bits and pieces from from the football world that will, will have caught our eye and um, I think you've, you've thrown you've con- contributed a few bits in there Jack 
Tom, we might have to get you involved as well and write a few little sections for us. Yeah. That's out every midweek. Not 100% going to nail down a day yet, but it'll be kind of Tuesday or Wednesday each week in your inbox. So check that out. It'll just be on our Twitter feed. Um, alongside the podcast link on Friday morning, there'll be a tweet with our with a link where you can just drop your email in there uh, and subscribe. Much appreciated. And get it and, out your spam folder. And get it out Game's your spam gone. folder as well. It absolutely does not belong in the spam folder. It belongs in your primary inbox, your primary <laughs> Gmail inbox. VIP us. Yeah, VIP us, exactly. Um, well, gents, thank you very much. Really, really enjoyed chatting after a win. Um, and, and fingers crossed, we'll be chatting after another win against Wolves on Sunday. Speak to you both then. Nice one, lads. Up the Saints. Up the Saints.